All right, guys, coming back in hot with another episode of the Just Episode It Podcast. Uh, tonight, I've got a, a special guest with me. I've got Dan from Two Vets Sporting Goods slash Two Vets Tripods. Um, I'm sure if you've been in a match anywhere, especially on the East Coast, but con- considering the conversation that we just had a second ago, any coast uh, in the United States, you've probably seen a handful of their tripods because this motherfucker here travels, I mean, more than a damn Bible salesman does. So, uh, but Dan, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we actually hadn't officially, officially met. Uh, I was, now you have met my two shooting partners, one specifically Jeff Tripp. He, um, he's bought a couple tripods from you. And I saw you at the Guardian, and then I didn't see you when you were taking pictures. That's how that's a that's a uh, a telltale sign of a good photographer. Is I didn't know you were there, but I got the pictures now. If you're listening to the podcast right now on your computer, so not like your phone, but like a, a, a laptop or a desktop, and the actual photo that I'm using now for like the banner for the podcast. That was a picture of uh, from taken from Dan uh, at the Guardian that we're talking about at Pigger Precision. And like he's right in my grill and I did not know he was there. (laughs) Got to say it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's something that I do on the side. Uh, Totally enjoy it. It's it's uh, fun to capture shooters in a moment. I mean, the best thing about doing it, too, is I'm a shooter, so I get to. I get to take photos that I really know shooters want to see of themselves. Um, we all want to look cool. And kind of the one, one of the funny things I say is I was at the Vortex match uh, photographing a friend of mine and they absolutely did terrible on the stage. And I was joking around and I'm like, man, but you know what? The photos make it look like you guys were killing it. So um, yeah, it's something I enjoy. I do for fun, man. And it's, it's always uh, always a good time to see somebody love what, what I do on the side. So it's cool. Yeah, the photo makes them like they clean the stage for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent, man. It makes it look like and a one hundred pro. They could tell everybody they cleaned that stage. No, they don't fucking know. So that's that's what I'm gonna do. I am not hey, if you see that picture of me, I cleaned that stage. Um <laughs> at least it looks that way in the picture. No, but the pictures are really good. Now I think I got th- you got I think three pictures of me. You sent them to me. Um I asked Gary who the photographer was. And I didn't even know it was you because I didn't see you with a damn camera. I only saw you messing with tripods in the parking lot. I didn't even see you with the camera. And so he kind of did a little group uh, text chat and threw you in it. And then he asked about the photo and you sent me three photos of me. And like I said, I didn't know you were there, Um, but they were really good photos. And then I saw some of the other ones. I'm not on social media, so I don't get to see all the photos, but. Yeah. They uh the ones that I did see um you, I mean you're doing a really good job so you could I mean it looks like you have the same passion for photography as that you've obviously had for your your actual business that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of something that runs hand in hand. I mean we don't um we don't dabble as a business in the photography market, but um, I do a lot of my own product photos. I do a lot of my stock photos. Um, I've kind of become really a jack of all trades in business. Uh, I like to learn things. I mean, I didn't really go to school for any of this and starting a business was kind of really on a whim, to be honest with you. 
And I've had to learn a lot more than I ever thought I was capable of learning. But uh, I love it, man. I, I love what I do every single day. And I mean, at times it's it's super hectic and crazy, but it's a good time, man. Yeah. So the photos, I mean, the photos are good enough to where if you wanted to, which I don't know if you need another hat to wear. But I mean, that's that is if they're the photos are good enough to where it looks like that is what you do, whether it be live action precision rifle i don't know anybody can make a living off of taking pictures that matches but i mean maybe there is but uh you know just photography in and of itself i mean it's the to my opinion the few that i've seen and i and i had seen obviously your your social media um photos before i you know exodus uh social media but uh yeah your photos uh, so you, all the photos that you post of your products you're taking the photo of? you're taking the picture of not all of them um some of them i do like i'll do i mean i used to have a lot more time obviously when i didn't wasn't as busy um but there is some photos that i take like i've done a couple good ones with uh daniel defense i do some photography work with like xl industry um or xlr industry my apologies um, and a couple other companies that we do work with and, you know, I supply them photos and, and we work together and we create a really good uh, collab. So it's it's super exciting because I get to work with some of the big wigs in the in the gun industry. And it's really cool, man. I mean, it's uh, I've photos for me have become a, a passion. Um, I don't know if you guys know or if anybody really knows, but photos are expensive man they're stupid expensive just to do white background photos i mean you're talking thousands of dollars and um where you can pick up you know pretty much a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff and you know learn an education get an education in it and uh do it yourself and i mean it's not yeah. the most professional manner in the world but at the end of the day i think it gets the job done and gets point across so well especially when you're in an industry of sales where you have a product to sell and you have to have, obviously, for marketing purposes, you have to have photos of said product to then and make them look as good as possible. You got to make them look as Gucci and sexy as possible to make it more appealing to the to the you know end user and the buyer. So and and yeah, I could see how like if you don't know shit about photography or whatever, and you're selling this widget that like, hey, you know, this needs some really cool pictures, then hire a photographer. And you're just like, all right, well, send me a bill and you get that bill. You're like, holy shit. Whereas you, you learned and did it yourself. And, and honestly, you're doing just as good as the people you would be paying. So yeah. and that's that's even better. They like, ain't like they're janky, like, you know, ghetto looking photos. Yeah. So they're legit professional shit. Yeah. And I mean, and it's uh, it, it's been one of those things that I've I've thoroughly enjoyed. I mean, it's cost a lot. I mean, like my lens I just bought was three grand. It oh. Absolutely. 100 percent insanity um but it, like it captures the photos for you and for me in business i've always kind of done business a little differently you know like i don't i don't outsource somebody to run my social media so when people are messaging the instagram account they're messaging me when they send an email and they're emailing me when they call the phone call whether they choose mill leo or or regular sales they're talking to to me um i do you know all the books build my website take my photos like you know i do i wear a lot of hats as a business owner but i think as a you know eventually when i get to a point when i have to hire somebody to you know run my social or do this or do that that i need to know what they're going through and i think 
there's too many businesses out there that you hit growth expansion and then you hire somebody on and you expect them to do their job. But if you've never done that job, then you have no idea what to expect of them. And I think that's the only fair thing as a business as I grow to really understand that when I hire a photographer, like I pay that photographer just, you know what I mean? If he sends me a $3,000 bill and I know he had to travel here, he edited for five days, he's got a $6,000 camera body, he's got a $5,000 lens, like I, I get it. But for me to understand that, I've had to have, have lived that too, you know, so. Yeah, and that's got to be the biggest part of that is not just knowing what to expect of the person that you're talking about hiring, the the subcontractor, if you will. But the you have to know in, well, in if if price of said service is the a factor in it, and you're, you're getting bids from this person, that person. Like you said, you just said it. You've got to know what they've got, either whether it be time, equipment, you know, sweat equity, whatever is put into it to help build that price, that bid for you, so that you know that. I mean, like, look, I mean, I could name a uh, something off the top of my head that if I didn't know what it cost and someone said this is what it costs, I wouldn't know if they're taking me to the cleaners or if they're giving me a deal or if it's right on par with the market. Uh, but you know, in this situation, when you do get that point, dude, you could literally itemize every damn thing they do and know what, like, okay, this person is out of their mind. Like there's no fucking way that this is happening, but it could be, Hey, that's a strong bid. I like that. And then go with that person. So that's, it makes just making you educated all, all around in the process, dude. That's really cool. And I think, and I think as a, um, you know, as somebody, as a business owner, essentially you're going to become a leader someday and essentially you're going to, you, you know, you're going to be a boss and you got to know, you know, know what to expect. So if you're like, say, for example, I mean, I listen to a lot of motivational speakers. If somebody's going to tell you to clean the gum off of the bottom of a table, if you're working in a restaurant, you're not willing to do that. How do you expect an employee underneath you to do that same situation? So, um, I think being a well-rounded individual and as a business, I, I think it's super important. I mean, I hope as as I grow and as a company grows and as, you know, we we get more out there and I have employees, I'm going to be looking for those employees that are as passionate about what I do. And I understand if they don't own the company, they're not going to be as passionate, but have that passion and that drive to make customers happy. And that's that's really what I'm after, you know, and that's the next step for me as a business is um, getting to hire somebody, you know? So, yeah, look, I know Look, I'm a, I'm a business owner and I've got, I think like 11 employees and, you know, I, I'm in the rental property business. I own rental property and I manage my own. I don't, I don't farm it out to nobody else to manage my property. I manage my, we have 300 ish doors, uh, and, um, I don't manage other people's. I don't need anybody else's headache, but when yeah. it comes to employees, I, uh, you know, when it comes to when they're turning over an apartment, when uh, a tenant moves out, most of the time they leave it completely fucking destroyed. Um, and I have my guys in there to go and turn the thing over and make it look new again. I, I've got to know their job better than they know their job. Correct. And, yep. and so if they'll, they'll, they'll call me asking me questions like, Hey, look, this is an issue. What do you want me to do here? What? And I was like, well, have you thought about doing it this way? And they're like, well, shit. I, I didn't think about it. I said, yeah, this is going to save time, so less effort on you. It'll turn out fine. It'll be great. And it's not as expensive as doing it this way. And yeah. that, that, I mean, when you see, 
when a, a moment like that happens, you see the light bulb go off and in their uh, in their heads like, oh, shit, like I'm not I can't bullshit my way through this job. Like this guy knows <laughs> this guy knows what to do here and knows all the tricks and shit. So yeah. and, and that's the thing, like with you, no one's going to pull the wool of your eyes on how much it costs to take pictures of your fucking tripods, like professional grade pictures or whatever or your products. Yeah. And, and I think, and I think, you know, truthfully, like my goal down the road, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road is to create an organization mentoring people that want to become entrepreneurs. I mean, I've been very lucky and grateful for everything that I've been able to achieve. And it, it's been, I mean, I'm not some crazy multi-million dollar company. I got a 24 by 20, actually, I think it's 24. Yeah. 24 by 26 garage it's all finished out that's my office but i started in an apartment ordering you know 25 tripods whatever now we're turning over a lot of inventory i got a huge finished office we're doing you know daily pickups i mean black friday was absolutely insane this year i'm traveling you know i'm getting to show these products off and they're getting in the hands of people that i never thought would ever touch one of my tripods and you know, it's exciting. It's it's exciting as a business. So I want to be able to down the road, um, be able to offer that to somebody else and teach them and mentor them how to do it and show them that, hey, you can build a website. Hey, you can take your own photos. Hey, you can learn processing. You can learn sourcing. You can learn all these things on your own. Because when I came through business, I didn't have anybody helping me. And when I say legitimately, I didn't have anybody helping me. I mean, I had my like nobody wanted to tell me where, who to use for building a website. Like, don't use, um, you know, Shopify because Shopify is anti-gun. I loaded probably before I got into tripods, 200 plus products into Shopify. They shut my website down right after I got finished loading 200 products over a week's time. They told me I could have my website with them, but I had to pay them 3% on top of my 3% processing fee. So I had to pay 6% rather than your standard 2.5 or 3%. And, um, you know, these are stupid mistakes that every brand new business owner makes. But I want to be the guy down the road that somebody can call me and be like, hey, man, how do I do this? Or where do I go? Or where do I do this? And I want to be able to give that opportunity. Like my dream would be to mentor veterans who want to start a business and truly have the drive because I've sacrificed a lot to do what I do. I mean, probably more than I ever should. I work Monday to Sunday. I travel crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's not a pat on my own back, but I do a lot to do what I do, but I also love what I do. So working to me is not working. It's just living, you know? So yeah, I it's a grind though. I mean, look, you could, I mean, you could, I mean, you look at, and I hate using fucking professional athletes because they're the biggest prima donnas on the planet but i mean to say that a guy who makes millions of dollars by either putting a ball in a hoop or or hitting a ball with a bat or whatever to say yeah that's that's his work but to say he don't do nothing but just show up on game day oh, that's yeah. ridiculous that bam is in the gym he is you know practicing his craft that he's been doing his whole life and whatever it just so happens that 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 industry other people make so much money off of you that it's worth it to them to pay you a lot of money so yeah yeah that's why you know you got basketball players that make you know 
500 times more or more than, you know, first responders. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Because no one's making money off of first responders. They're making money off of tickets and views on television and marketing and all that stuff. So it's worth it you know, for these these, you know, team, these uh, franchises to pay these athletes obscene, absurd amounts of money to play a game. But to say it's not work. I mean, I'm not putting in four hours a day in the gym. I'm not, you know, at yeah. practice, traveling all over, everywhere, never at home. I'm not doing none of that shit. So it's hard. It's hard ass work. So yes, it what you're doing is is work and it is a job, but you you love it. But to say to say, oh well, I have never worked a day in my life. That's bullshit. To anybody who says that that they and I I I wish I loved my job as much as maybe you love your job. Uh, mine is a, a means to an end. Um, yeah. But you know, it, to say, do I love managing and owning property? No, I don't love it. It's I love what it can afford me to do. But uh, to but to say it's not a damn grind and that it's not work to people who say that shit, I, I it's utter bullshit. But yeah. you, you work your ass off doing what you do. You just told me before we started recording, and we'll get into that about what your schedule has been and what it's looking like to just show how busy you are. But before we get going that, that far, I want to take it back. I want to take it back to where you're from, what got you into shooting, where did you get your start. I want to get getting all that. So let's, let's go back. Where, to where are you from originally? Yeah, so originally I I lived in Massachusetts. Um, <clears throat> I was kind of mo- moved all over the place. Uh, dad owned a construction company. Mom worked insurance. Yada yada yada. Divorced parents, and then yeah, that whole fun gig or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm very familiar to hard work because my father did the same thing. Renovated apartment complexes. You know, like I was gonna say, you know, people don't see that you know, two o'clock in the morning phone call that the, you know, fire alarm's going off and you got to run out there and take care of it and do this and do that. Or the water main that breaks or the pipe that breaks. Yes. The water is always the worst one, dude. Water heater on an upstairs apartment bus. And then you got water going to two floors. Yeah. At two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I get that. That That's what keeps me up at night is waiting for that call to happen. But yeah. So, I mean, um, I live that life and then essentially, out of I was, I was a pretty bad kid in high school walk in the front door walk out the back kind of kid um basically got close to the end of high school and i was a, maybe a c student at best and basically walked to the marine recruiter said hey man i want to join he said all right well you got to finish high school and i said well you know i was at a point in my life where i was not that great of a kid i'm like dude i'm gonna drop out i'm like i'm, I'm sure i'm gonna drop out of school i hate school da 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 because at the time I was actually driving around with a friend of mine in his pickup truck, looking in people's yards for their broke down cars. We were buying the cars for $100, paying a tow truck driver to come in. We'd cut the cats, we'd pull the wire, we'd pull the batteries, we'd scrap the car for a couple hundred bucks, sell the cats for $100, pull the wire in, throw it in a bin. Long story short, I was kind of an entrepreneur at a young age and I didn't really know it. Um, But anyways... Went to a marine recruiter, said, listen, man, I want to leave. He said, all right, finish high school. So I ended up pretty much driving out of high school, went to an advanced high school diploma, not a GED, uh, not a GED, like an actual high school diploma. Did an advanced course, got my diploma, literally walked in the recruiter's office, said, I'm going to leave tomorrow. Didn't care what job I was doing, whatever. So he signed me up. I left. 
on my the day before my mom's birthday. So when I got to Paris Island, the phone call that I had with my mom on her birthday was recruit. You know, Mac to me got uh, Paris Island all safe and secure. We'll contact you further details. That I hung the phone up on her. So that was my mom's birthday present from me at 18 years old. Oh, great. <laughs> so, anyways, I uh, did motor T uh, mechanic in the Marine Corps. Got out in 2012 and then moved into New York. And then I, I started in business in like 2014, 15, selling um, stock chassis, stuff like that. And that's kind of what got but me. What into, got you? What got you into sh- the shooting? Like even even in, I mean, you're, you yourself are a shooter. So, and what made you want to get into selling shooting products? So I got so I actually had so I shot IDPA and USPSA for quite a while. And then I kind of met some friends and I'd always when I was in the Marine Corps, like shooting long distance. Um, not to any extent of what I do now, but like a couple hundred yards. I'm like, man, this is killer. So got out, did IDPA, USPSA, got really bored with it, met a couple people at a local range. And they're like, dude, come out, shoot a local club level match. And that's kind of what started it all. I started shooting club level PRS matches. Um, from there, I started selling chassis, stuff like that. And basically they told me, they're like, dude, if you're going to do this, like you need to get more serious and, and really compete, compete um in matches so that's kind of what took me into the precision rifle shooting i always i had a background through the military that i did like shooting rifles and pistols and all that other stuff and it was something we did pretty quite frequently um but yeah it just kind of progressed and then as i got into further in the business you know my buddy telling me that you got to get more serious about it i started to get more serious and i really started competing and and uh having fun so yeah that's awesome. Yeah, I was a uh, F-15 mechanic in the Air Force. Yep. So, yep. So I I know all about being covered in grease and jet fuel and crap like that. That's always fun stuff. Yeah. And I and I deal, you know, I still have a I get to deal with a lot of veterans and stuff like that nowadays. And um, I mean, I wish I had done something different. And I think that's like every vet that will tell you that, you know, oh, I yep. wish I had something different. And then I actually tried to go back in after my RR ran out and my back was too messed up. My shoulder was messed up, field my hair and tests, like all the normal, typical stuff. But it just so happened the maps that I was going through was like one of the most difficult maps in the area to process through. And they just made it so difficult that I was like, you know what, forget it. And I'm glad I did because that's what really turned me into wanting to be a business owner even harder and through that, I busted my butt, you know, talking to people, networking, um, doing social media, yada, yada, yada. And that's what created the business was that that opportunity where I was so upset and so broke down that I couldn't go back in was actually the best thing that ever happened to me because I get to work alongside some of the people that, you know, like I was going to get slotted to go to sniper school. Well, now in a week from now, I'm actually going to the same schoolhouse that I would have been processed through had I went back in the military. It's and funny I'm, how that works out, doesn't it? Dude, and I'm good friends with all the guys there, and it's like it's hilarious. And I tell them all the time, I'm like, dude, one way or the other, I was destined to meet you. You know, that's that's how that was going to work. So it was crazy. Yeah, you know, I, I had a similar situation. I, you know, I was I did. You know, it was three years as an F-15 troop. In my last year, I did um, by voluntarily. Um, I, I did honor guard, which I I really enjoyed doing that. I, I actually that was probably my 
most rewarding year uh, in the military was honor guard because I, I I was the only Air Force that some family members saw. So yeah. a, a family member may like, yeah, yeah, their loved one was military, but they didn't see either, you know, they just weren't around them when they were in or they lived far away, but they didn't know, know, know anything about military. But I was, you know, me and the people on the same details, me, we were the only uh, bit of of Air Force that they ever knew, you know, once, you know, other than the fact they knew that their loved one was in. Um, and the, you know, you see the impact immediately on them with your with what we did for them for their loved one's funeral whatever and it just um and and all the colors details for you know i hated parades but parades um colors details for hurricane uh carolina hurricanes games and mixed martial arts fights and motocross races and you know when people saw you i mean it was like holy shit these guys have got their shit together you know it's like seeing on the commercials of the you know, the the Marines commercials, where it's the Marine uh, Honor Guard that they do all their commercials, whatever. Um, it was really it was really cool. But, you know, my last, you know, three months in my uh, supervisor from, you know, working on jets, he had just gotten back from his uh, he had cross trained out of our job into TACP. Um, so he was a JTAC and he was in limbo. Um, and he had Richie may be listening to this because um, you know, he actually listened to my podcast some, but he was in limbo between when he graduated TACP school and then I'm going to get the dates all wrong, but like he graduated in November, but he wasn't due at his next new duty station until like January. Right. So he came back to he came back to our base and in the shop and everything. And he was like fucking playing bubbles on the computer all day with his feet kicked up on the desk because he says i'm not touching another goddamn jet engine so they can suck my dick um but he was like baker like this isn't this isn't the real air force man like you you need to do it if i can if i can make it through and pass it you can too and i was like man i'm tired of being broke son like i'm (laughs) i'm ready to get out and make some fucking money because i'm tired of being broke as shit and You know, now looking back, yeah, I, like you said, like almost every veteran has their regrets or whatever. I'm, I, I regret not just re-upping for another four and and doing it, like cross-training attack P, um, because that have been you know awesome to be the Air Force liaison for a whether it be a Marine Recon unit or Ranger Battalion or ODAs or something like that. That would have been something really fucking kick-ass to do, and that's what he's still doing today. Um, that was back in 2009. Um, and, uh, you know, so yeah, I, I get, I know I put myself in the exact same situation that, that you were in at that time. That's uh, so I understand it. And I know, like you said, every veteran listening to this right now, you know, unless they did, if they were fucking tip of the spear type shit, they wish they had maybe stayed in and done this or maybe put in for that detail or, or cross trained to this, you know, MOS or whatever. So I, I get that. Yeah. Um, so, all right, tripods. So <clears throat> there's obviously just one or two other than yourself, two players, kids on the block. Yeah. And it, it, did you see just like a, an opening there or was it a specific time? You're like, fuck, I need a tripod. 
well, fuck, why don't I just start manufacturing them and, and selling them? Uh, what was it about tripods that you landed on that you wanted to, to jump in feet first with? So, I mean, for me, um, when I started out, just like everybody else, I mean, it's it's a kind of the market that there's a lot of questions. There's not a lot of answers to questions. Right. So you kind of like you said, there was two people, you know, two different companies that people are like, oh, this one's either really expensive or this one's cheap, but it's heavy. So, I mean, part of what happened with me was I bought a setup and it was like freaking 10 pounds. It was absolutely outrageous. I'm like, dude, I ain't carrying this thing around. So I literally bought it and I never carried the thing around. I'm like, this is just it's just crazy. So anyways, um, yeah, I kind of, you know, I was looking for a viable, cheaper option. And and kind of what I've always said is, is that if you're somebody that works in Monroe changing oil or you're a lawyer that makes, you know, fifteen hundred dollars an hour, I want to make an option that's affordable for you. So it seemed like to me in the market, there was a, you know, a really low end and not that the quality was bad, but it was super heavy and, and completed a, you know, a purpose for somebody that was really on like a budget budget where there's really high end where it's like a mortgage payment. So, you know, we came in and my primary concern as a business was to become an affordable, you know, quality option out there. And we've really kind of hit the nail on the head with it. Um, one of the things that we've I've always concentrated on as far as a, a business is quality. I mean, our quality of our tripods is, I mean, it's second to none. Um, and then the other part of it is, is from a business perspective, I've been in a position where I've called companies and I've asked questions. And then, you know, you're talking to somebody on the other end of the phone. They're like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, and they're just not giving you the answers that you need. Whereas when somebody calls me, I go, what's your application? And they'll tell me and they'll go, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a predator hunter and I'm going to be standing shooting all day. And I say, OK, do you care about size? And they go, well, you know, and I say, OK, collapse size. They're like, well, yeah, I throw it in the back of my truck. I want something small and compact. So like in my mind, when I ask these questions, what I'm doing is I'm tailoring the correct tripod for their application. Sure. And, by doing, and by doing that, our customer satisfaction is like super high. I mean, anybody can call me with any question and Hell, I answer a lot of questions about other companies' heads on our tripods. I will freely answer them for you if you call me and ask me. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the customer service is second to none. And I've actually had a dude, uh, he called me up. He wanted to order like a junior and he, because he didn't want to spend as much money. And I literally argued with him for an hour and he ordered a 40. And he is like the biggest mascot for the company now because I spent an hour, I argued with him, got him into a tripod that I knew was going to fit his needs for exactly what he was doing. And he absolutely 100% loves it and doesn't regret purchasing what he purchased. So, you know, that that's in a long story short, that's, that's kind of what got me into it. And then the other aspect of it is there's not many companies out there that have phenomenal customer service. And that's something that I will always offer and I will always still try to offer. Like if I miss calls, I, I try to call people back. If I miss your email and, you know, I try to find your email and email you back. I mean, customers to me are important because they're, they're your, ba- they're your customer base, you know? Yeah. I mean, look in the, <laughs> in the firearm industry, there's a few names that stick out that people are like, Hey, those guys, whether you like their product or not, those guys have got good customer service and everything. That's always the first thing they lead with. But in, in this, it seems that, in this 
realm in this industry, there's so many companies that will just take a dump on you and like, you know, they'll take your money and then it's ghost um, or it's, uh, you know, just a complete lack of communication or they give you runarounds or, you know, I mean, I'm just not picking on. I don't even know if I even should say this. Um, just reading some threads on Sniper's Hide about a particular rifle that's come out recently that people are starting to get their hands on. That it's just, you know, like, well, it's supposed to have been ready here then and it's not. And, and now I'm back in line, this far back in line, and there's no one telling me this person said Some of that is 100% on the customer. Like, all right, you are just not taking into account a lot of things and then sometimes it may be on the company itself i mean we've 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 seen it in in every industry where you got said company that'll be like that you know i think in today's world everybody's used to getting things so fast and you know amazon fucked us yeah well from a company standpoint um and i and i've even dealt with it you know when we do a pre-order on a tripod or when we do an expected release date you know i put on there within a week to two weeks, right? And, and sometimes you fall behind, sometimes you you get ahead. Um, and it's just, it's one of those things as a company, and I'm only speaking for me because it, it's, I mean, I can only speak for my company, but you do, you fall behind. But typically what I do is all, and for me, my orders aren't as crazy as theirs, but I pick up the phone and I call the customer and I either A, try and find them another option that's in stock, I try to find a dealer that has it in stock or I notify them, hey, man, you know, we're thinking roughly a week to two weeks. Maybe it might be a little bit longer because we do. I mean, we run out of stock. People run out of issues with production. I mean, for all I know, I mean, another company or like we're working on a couple things right now, which I have projected timelines for. But if a machine breaks, if tooling breaks, if a guy's out sick for three weeks, I mean, that can change everything so astronomically it's not even funny and it's you know you fall behind the ball and i think it's just a lot of how you handle it you know as a company is what sets you aside yeah i mean right now we've got like absolute across the board supply chain interruptions you know what i'm saying i mean we've got it it's all over the world and and at in every industry i mean I've been trying to look, I've been trying to find a light switch receptacle combo plate cover <laughs> like in a certain color at Lowe's because they're the same. So all of our apartments have the same color light switch and receptacle plates. Some have this combo, some don't like in the apartment or house or whatever. And for some fucking reason, they get all the other colors except this color of that one specific switch plate. And yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, but it's, I mean, it's, it's like, they're always like, hey, it's a supply chain. We just, we haven't gotten them in. We've got these on order. We've had them on order for three months and we haven't seen the first one. I'm like, yeah, you're getting all of these, but just not that one. You've got yeah. everything else in that color, but not that one. Like, look, we can't, I mean, I can't. The people at Lowe's can't figure. I mean, fix no, that they shit. Can't fix it. Yeah, no, no. And so, so it's and you know, there's there's supply chain issues and people, customers and everybody has to just like, hey, look, just these are weird times right now. We just gotta fucking nut up and and figure it out. But uh, 
Yeah, you said it though. Customer service is you can have a shit product, but if you've got really good customer service, you're still going to pick up more customers than that shit product uh, warrants you to have. But when you've got a really good product uh, with shit customer service, you're going to have a lot less customer, at least repeat customers, yeah. um, sometimes first time uh, customers than you than your than your product deserves because like you got a kick-ass product but if you got shit customer service dude that shit gets right especially in this industry dude somebody at freaking mdt or night force can't fart on a wednesday without snipers hide or someone knowing it on friday yeah so it you know this is such a we everybody knows somebody in everything in this in, in this business I, I i can think of almost every yeah, most every brand of everything that I own, Precision Rifle, I know somebody that oh, works there. Or I know somebody that knows somebody. You know what I'm saying? It's like three degrees to Kevin Bacon. It, yeah. I mean, it's. And that's, and that's um, you know, it, it's just, it's crazy because it is, you know, from a company standpoint, it, it's very, I don't know. I look forward to companies that throw mediocre products on the market. Like that's that to me is what I look forward to. So when somebody comes out with a tripod and I can look at that tripod and I go, okay, you know, a lot of people are going to buy that. But then when they break, they're not going back to them. They're coming to me. And as a company, I try to avoid those customers doing that. But if they do, when they get a cheap tripod and they put their, you know, whatever six thousand dollar rifle on top of it and the thing the leg gives out and their their six thousand dollar gun falls to the ground they're gonna look for a better option and you know i try to avoid that we try to offer options that fit budgets for every customer's needs like i had a customer today he called me up and he's like he's like hey man he's like i want you know your recon and i said all right great and we were talking he's like well what's different about this than like the 300 dollar tripod that i purchased and I was telling him, I was like, you know, carbon fiber tubing's different. You know, our flip latches are different. Our turn, our um, turn collars are way different. Spike stored up in the feet, better max height, better collapse height, better carbon fiber. Da da da. This is that. And like after I got done with the whole conversation, he's like, oh, okay, it, it makes sense. But everybody, I was actually talking to a friend of mine about this earlier. So there's two types of things. There's a quality product that has a really good price point, and then everybody seems to think the higher the price, the better something is. It's not 100% true. I mean, not all the I, time. no, I've taken my tripods. We were doing a photo shoot and we were standing in a three-story tower and I was standing there with a dude and I said, hey, you heard my company, right? And he goes, yeah. I go, okay. I took his tripod and I threw it off the tower and let it hit the ground. And we got down and he picked it up, checked it out. He goes, oh, Okay. And he used it for the rest of the afternoon, been using it for months and months after that. I might not do the clinical lab testing. I might not do the, you know, this, this and that, but I do real world testing. I mean, I've had tripods fall off the sides of packs on cliffs over at, you know, Bridgewater. I mean, I've had dudes that do <laughs> more things than I could possibly imagine to a tripod, but they withstand the test of time and they're durable. They're not just a cheap, you know, cheap tripod that I want to try to make millions of dollars on selling to entry-level customers. That's not what I'm after. I want customers to have a product that's going to last them and that they're happy with, you know? 
you do know why that you're on this podcast tonight, right? Why is that? Because I just broke my piece of shit bipod or tripod <laughs> uh, like two, two or three weeks ago in the middle of a freaking qual for the modern day sniper course that I took the advanced precision long range course that I took from them literally on the timer. Now, mind you, this is the second time the things broke. We ghetto rigged it and had it working, which if I had only. All right. So, you know, I'm in, I'm in the Southeast. I'm, I'm in North Carolina. We don't shoot unless you're like in match use. Matthews, we don't shoot off of tripods much at all. Like we don't have time to. It's like 90 second part times across the board, a lot of movement, short amount of time, a lot of targets, stuff like that. So we don't shoot off of them much. We typically a, a tripod is used for two things: holding up binos or a spotter, and rear support if you got time to use it as rear support which i rarely ever i think i've done it maybe three times in my life in a match because i just assume i don't practice it i don't need to do it unless it's something that's so dumb dummy proof that it it's dumb not to not to use it but that's very rare um but i my tripod that i had i'll tell you what i had i had an inner nrl tripod i know you know what they are on amazon Yep. They look nice. They look just like yours. They look just like a really ride stuff, but they ain't. Um, I, uh, the, the collar, I don't even remember how it broke, but I gave it to Jeff. I said, fix my shit. If you can fix it. He glued it up the collar and it worked. And I was all right. I, I use it more, a couple more times, you know, for my binos took it to this course and I didn't know how much tripod shooting we were going to be doing in this course, but, and sure enough on the clock, my damn leg, it completely seizes and then trying to pull it out, pop, the leg, the lower, uh, lower section comes out of the collar separating. I was like, all right, well, that's that. I unhooked the, I didn't use, have it hooked. I had my, um, bag on top of the ball head, um, I chucked the tripod, grabbed another tripod from behind me on someone else's, and then finished it with that. So I was like, well, I need a new tripod, and i damn sure not going to buy another one of these motherfuckers. So I was like, I'm going to get Dan from Two Vets to come on the podcast because I want to learn more about his tripods because I'm probably going to buy one of these motherfuckers because I'm sorry. We all know the elephant in the room is really right stuff. They are a quality product. They are, or they're great for what they're meant to do. They are a great product. But like you said, they are a damn, basically a mortgage payment. And considering I'm in East North Carolina and my life don't depend on the tripod, I rarely shoot off of it. I'm not going to, I don't give a shit. I'm not going to spend $1,500 on a tripod for the use that I use. And uh, I, if, if you didn't exist, then I probably would buy another one of these cheap ones just to use as, uh, um, to hold my binos up. Right. Well, the good news is you are an option. So I know that when I buy a tripod from you, one, I know the guy that I'm buying it from. I don't know who the hell NRL is. I don't know anybody there or anything about them other than, I 
saw them on Amazon. I heard some people say they, they like theirs. But I know that it's coming from a guy like you. I know that they're proven. I know that I could shoot off of it. I could hang off of it. I could, you know, stand up and crip walk on it if I wanted to. It doesn't matter. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work. And it also, like you said, does not cost the same as a freaking uh, mortgage payment. So yeah. I just want to learn more about your tripods, not just for my listeners, but for me, too. Because honestly, looking at your website, I don't know which one I want yet. Because I like aspects of multiple uh, models, and uh, I, I, I don't know exactly which one fits me. So me and you are going to pick my tripod for everybody else to listen to of how this process goes. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, the first things first, I mean, the primary application, I'm assuming, is going to be PRS, correct? Yes. Okay. So, with that said... Um, are you concerned about collapse height of when the tripod is fully collapsed and stoked? Like, are you flying? It's are you not, flying? Are you worried about transport? No. Okay. No, I'm not. I, no, if I fly with it, I'm not taking if it. If I'm flying somewhere for a match, I'm not even going to take it. Like, I'll just get on someone else's binos or whatever. Because everybody, there's, you know, you'll see at, in a match, you'll have eight tripods with binos or whatever at each in each squad. So, no, I'm not flying with it. The collapsible size, I know it's hard to have your cake and eat it too, but it's not a make or break deal. So the QDT is the one that I've been eyeballing um, because, hey, it's just if I do use it to shoot off of on the clock, it's only one section of leg to adjust. So it's two sections, one collar, each leg. Um, Jeff has one of those, and I get to finger fuck his whenever I want to. And, um, uh, I've used, you know, used them in a match as far as I've done it with rear support and I've used obviously through his binos and stuff like that too. So the QDT is what I'm looking at, but and then again, it would be nice to be able to like, as far as it be in my truck, not be, you know, super duper long either. But like I said, it's not a make or break thing for me. So, I mean, I, I run, you know, it depends on the application of tripod. So if you're going to be running a lot of rear rest or, or doing kneeling positional or even a sitting positional, the QDT is really good um, because it is, it's a longer collapse length. So, I mean, you can deploy it. And for instance, like I've shot a PRS match, we had to put a gun on top of a 55 gallon drum. And what I did is I basically threw my bipod, slid it back on my Arca, put a pump pillow right on top of the tripod in the back and used it as a rear rest. Because you get in those awkward positions where your bipod's like literally at your magwell and you're resting your bag on your grip. This allowed you to become a lot more stable doing that. But with that said, um, like shooting GTI, I've shot PRS New England. I've shot a couple other matches where you're like really moving and shooting. The recon is more applicable for that type of stuff. So for me, I've learned to be able to deploy the recon with one twist collar, run one leg out, and I can do a full standing height. I can do a sitting height. I can do a kneeling height. I can work a barricade. It takes a little bit more time, but I, in my opinion, the, the recon to me is like really that jack-of-all-trade tripod. You can fly with it. It straps the side of your pack nicely. Um, GTI, when I shot the suck, we had to climb up some ladders, and I'll tell you what, man. A 39-inch tripod going up some ladders within closed portions of it is it's it's very very tough to say the least. Um, 
so yeah, it just it really it, it depends on application. So um, I would say, truthfully, probably the recon is going to be a better bet. But if you're planning on working more on your using uh, tripod as a rear rest, working barricade, then the QTT would probably be a more viable option for you. So it just it depends on your demographics and, and kind of where you're shooting and what you're doing. Yeah, nine, I will, I, and I know this without a doubt 95 percent of its use is to hold up a pair of binos yeah and i don't i don't think you know i think a lot of people discredit the fact that you know you can go to a match and you can shoot a match and let's say you're a really really good shooter a really competitive shooter and you're you know you're shooting for points you're shooting in a series whatever if you get one stage with 10 points where you have to use a tripod most people carry a tripod for binos. That's what they carry a tripod for, which at the end of the day is a really good application because you can be behind glass, you can watch wind, you can spot, you can watch trace, all the, all the things that you need to do. You can have a tripod caddy on there, stay organized, um, which is you know a good application to have a tripod for. But if you get one stage worth 10 points and you smoke it and you burn it down with like eight, you get eight points out of 10, that's eight points closer to being in a higher position than you would have been if you didn't practice with a tripod. So mm-hmm. I shot PRS New England and we had to shoot a loophole stage. And I literally watched, I stayed up there, watched a the team and I watched like 10 guys time out deploying a tripod shooting through a loophole. And it's because everybody carries one. Nobody utilizes it. Nobody understands like the real importance of it. I mean, you get into um, I don't know if you watch uh, Riflecraft or Chris Way. That mm-hmm. dude can literally break anything. I mean, I swear to you, his medical records probably got to be the size of a dictionary. I mean, he probably got more broken bones than most people that are listening to this. Um, but anyways, he utilizes a tripod all the time. And it's to the fact of when he has to shoot through it using a tripod, he, he's he's going to get the points. I had to use the tripod at the suck. I did deploy in a building and I was able to get higher points on that stage than most people that threw a game changer on the window and sat there and didn't have any type of rear rest. I literally deployed a tripod and was clicked in within like 15 seconds. But and I this was with uh, recon? Uh, yeah, I think that that particular one I was using the recon or our new prototype. So one of those two I was using, um, but yeah, so that allowed me to build a position. I mean, it was a sniper match. So it allowed me to build a position, be inside of the window. And I was super stable and was able to put rounds on target um, pretty fast, probably faster than most, I mean, most people. Yeah. So I do, I, now I, I know, you know dick all about it but i do remember you t- talking to jeff he just this is from him telling me about y'all's conversation briefly um that at the guardian match at, at pig river in virginia that about the prototype now i don't know how many, much in detail you want to go into about that or not but what i should say what niche does that model fill that maybe it fills it better than the ones that you currently have so i mean we're always working um like right now we're working on the head and i'm not in a rush to bring the head to the market uh tripods are pretty much done we're pro- we're we're done with prototyping we're going to push out probably after shot show um with the tripods and we'll have them there a shot um <clears throat> but essentially that's going to fill the niche of 
basically as a company, what I do is, you know, you have a tripod and you say, hey, man, I went to this match. I love it, you know, but I had to fly the match and, you know, it made it tough because it was so big or, you know, this, this and that. And I listen to that feedback. And typically with that feedback is what comes out of design. So like we sent a bunch of no names out to Marine Corps Sniper School and basically the dudes ran the hell out of them. I mean, they beat for people who don't know, the no name is an actual model of the tripod. Yeah, we have like unorthodox names. But anyways, no names, the other tripod that we have. It's kind of our OG model. But um, long story short, a lot of the Marines were running into issues with their mags hitting the center section because they were running 30 round mags, had the rifle clipped in, kind of limited them on angles. So with that, we became, you know, created a new design for a new tripod, um, which kind of accommodates that needs and the needs of easier to transport. Um, you know, we cut the weight down pretty significantly on the tripods. And it'll it'll basically I think it fills a lot of the things that people are looking for from us um, and the people that have demoed it, tested it. I mean, they all they all love it. Now, does this does this new model, is it a, a center post mo- model where it has a center post or not? Right, I, try, I try to stay away from center post models. Um, we do have we have one current model that offers a center post and that's more to accommodate the guys that are basically going to be in the backwoods glassing, um, which is, you know, a market that we try to accommodate too. And a lot of our current models, we sell a center post that can get inserted into them. But think of a, basically a center post as increasing the center of gravity on the tripod. So you have the center of gravity and then you're going higher up. So you're creating a lot more instability the higher you go with the center post. So really when I say, you know, we're a company that focuses strictly on the shooting aspect of, of a tripod. You're not buying a, a, a photo tripod. You're not buying a videography tripod. Like this is all that we do is just straight shooting tripods. I'm not worried about chasing down the photography market, like trying to figure out the do with the, you know, whatever, 15 pound DSLR, like, or the, or the videography guy, like that, that's not our primary concern as a business. Our primary concern is everybody that's the shooters, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're not retrofitting something for a different industry to fulfill a need in a completely un uh, tailored for need. So, yeah. 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 That, that's that's what you want to hear from for the, the listeners of this podcast. Don't give two shits about taking pictures off of their tripods. They, <laughs> it's about shooting or spotting. Well, that's, uh, you know, it's kind of like anything. You know what I mean? Like you can be good at a couple things, but you cannot be a master of something if you're not focusing on what you're focusing on. You know what I mean? Like if you buy an F-150 because you want good fuel economy, but you need to haul a 10,000 pound trailer, well, guess what? That truck can't do it all. That truck needs to, you know, it's going to be assigned a task or, or, or whatever. So, I mean, me focusing primarily on the shooting industry allows us to take the feedback of the people that are running, using, and abusing these tripods and be able to push it forward through the market. I mean, like, I'm not going to really disclose too much information, but essentially the head that we're working on is something that I've heard through multiple, multiple people of what they're missing out of that head. And we're going to address that issue. And I think once we address that issue and people see it, 
they're going to be like, holy cow, like, dude, I would have never thought of that. And then once they start using it, they're going to be like, dude, this is the cat's meow. Like, this is this is what I've been looking for. This is what I want. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So, well, all right. Okay. Well, since we're talking about the prototype again now, your opinion, is the recon a better fit for me or is this new tripod, the, the, what the, the prototype, is that the, the, I guess the niche that it fills, is it more suited for my needs than the recon? Because I'm so, buying a damn tripod. So is it, I, I, I just, you know, for your particular application, I don't think it affects you as much uh, okay. concerning right. what we talked about and what you're doing. I mean, the prototype is going to run alongside of our current existing models, and it's more going to base depend on um, user preference at the end of the day, if you will. That would be the best way to explain it. But I figure, you know, like that's why we have these conversations, because I talk to people and I figure out what they're what they're going to be doing, what their wants and requirements are out of it. And for what you're looking for, the, I, I think the recon's baller for for exactly what you're looking for. Um, for somebody in a different circumstance or a different, you know, different area or demographic or different shooting location, then, you know, y- you might be looking at something a little bit differently. But there's always going to be <clears throat> with us, there's always going to be progression and innovation. So. Just because you buy something now doesn't mean a year down the road when we produce something else that you might not find that's the next best thing for you because that's what the sport's all about. It's about listening to shooter feedback, figuring out what they need and they require, and then addressing the issue and then progressing from there. And so ultimately, there's always going to be, I mean, it's like you buy a Night Force attacker with a Mil XT. I guarantee you Night Force is probably coming out with another reticle that either has an extra dot or a milling portion down in the lower right-hand corner or circle instead of a open circles instead of dots. It, it's a progression of the sport, and it's always going to be constant, and that's that's kind of what we do. But as far as what's on the market, I mean, dude, our no-names, I still sell so many no-names. It's, it's insane, and it's like it's an OG. It's been out for probably – I don't know, three, two and a half, three years. Yeah, and just, I remember when it first came out. Now, I didn't know you, but I remember seeing it when the first I was like, as a, as like kind of like a new kid on the block, I was like, no name. Like, is that like, I, I didn't, I didn't quite get it. I was like, when someone told me, I was like, what, what do you mean no name? It doesn't have a name. Like, no, its name is no, the no name driver. I was like, okay. And then I like looked it up way back then. You know how that came about? I literally, so I we prototypes, we tests, we got tripods. I liked them. We, we got them all situated, got them in. And I literally could not figure out a name for them. And that's how the name came about. I was like, oh, no names, great. And then the kit, which is another tripod, came from a friend of mine. And he's like, dude, this would be a perfect for a sniper to have in their kit. That's how that name established. And the, the QDT, the recon, I mean, that's the cool thing about us is there's nothing – there's nothing there's there's no like 42 one like y- you know what i mean it's just it's fun names dude we have fun with it i i, I try to enjoy what i do and it kind of helps differentiate us from everybody else you know yeah i mean it it's when you when if someone is familiar with the your line of tripods and you mention like like you said like the recon they know exactly which one that is where like a company like spur dude there's so many fucking numbers that mean so many things it's literally it's like a lost aramaic 
or dead language that that no one understands except for like three people in the United States. Mike Menchaca being one of them. Uh, he he speaks spur. So, uh, but it, I, I don't, yeah. So it just, it makes things a lot easier when it's, you know, names like that and their names, like they're, they're so whatever that they stick with you. Like they, like, which, which one was that? Like, you know, you're, you know, which one it is when, you know, if, if you yeah. hear it and, uh, yeah, that's cool. So yeah, it looks like, I, you know, what was the black Friday sale? Obviously it's not black Friday's over with, but what, what did you have? I wish I, I'm, I wish I had seen the Black Friday sale or or we did his podcast prior to Black Friday now. So so we don't I you know, me as a company, I don't run. And I mean, everybody can say this or whatever, but I've always focused on being cost affordable. And that's been the primary concern. So I run pretty slim margins on our tripods because literally it's me working. You know what I mean? Like I don't have a a 15,000 square foot building like those are things that have come down the road and we'll address. But as a company right now, uh, we we keep our margins pretty you know slim at the end of the day. So we ran a seven percent off, which equaled about depending on what you purchase, anywhere between fifty to sixty dollars off of your tripod, which is a pretty good discount considering we literally never run sales on any of our tripods. Um, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people bought tripods, a lot of them. Um, which was cool, man. It was, it was. Uh, yeah. Well, the the sport's growing, and the the sport is also changing too. From, you know, two 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 to three three years ago, no one shot off of tripods. They no. use them just strictly for, you know, holding binos. That's if you even took binos to watch, like to 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 really look at the wind. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I haven't been. I, I mean, I. I know that's a flaw. You, it's like one of the most valuable things you can do is being behind glass. But it was more like, oh, shit, I don't feel like carrying that damn thing. My rifle's heavy enough. My pack's heavy enough. I don't feel like adding one more thing. But when you have it, it it it, it makes a, a world of difference. But that same mentality is catching on, and, and more people are buying because, hey, I, I don't want to go up there with uh, – no, a, no, a non-educated wind call. I yeah. want to go up there and, and then sit, you know, and then, you know, of course, ROs have got to have them, but it's just it, the, the use and the, the, the courses of fire are getting to the point. Well, they were getting to the point where like, yeah, you could run a, a tripod on many stages and do very well, but now masturators are getting kind of hip to it. So masturators yeah. are making it a little bit trickier too, which good on them. You know, good on because using a tripod as a support is obviously fair and is allowed. But sometimes, dude, it's almost cheating because like the 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 purpose of said stage was to you to shoot in a very unstable position. But if you can just lock that rear end in to a tripod, it's like shooting prone. Yeah. And, and, you know, I watched uh, Morgan King (laughs) out of War Rifles, man. That dude with a tripod, you can tell he practices. And I think, in my opinion, Morgan is a really well-rounded shooter at the end of the day. Of course he is. Yeah, his results prove that. Dude, he won the stage by time. And, I mean, he cleaned it using one of my tripods. And it was like, it was like, it was so funny because uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like a kid in the background, like jumping up and down, like, you know what I mean? And um, he actually runs our QDT. And uh, it's cool, man. I've, like I said, I've. I've had 
tripods go to places that I never thought my tripods would ever go to. I work with companies that I never thought I'd get the ability to work with. And it's super exciting as a company. And it allows me, you know, it, it really has allowed me to create just, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's so much fun. I'm, I'm very fortunate to do what I do. And that's, I mean, I get to wake up every day, do what I love. I talk to, I mean, even today, like we're traveling from South Carolina, North Carolina. I took probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 phone calls or on the road answering questions for people about tripods and stuff like that. So it's just crazy. Yeah. You got, you got to be a drag to be on a road trip with, because I know your phone rings off the hook constantly. (laughs) My buddy was looking at me and literally between having my laptop, had my phone hooked up to my laptop, had internet, like was doing the normal business things the whole time we were driving, like was creating a newsletter, you know, editing photos, answering the phone back and forth. He's like, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Who is that? And then he's like, he's like looking at me like, dude, you're nuts, man. But yeah, I like, I like talking to people. I like interacting with people. Um, I enjoy what I do. So it really don't, it don't drive me nuts. Sometimes it drives the people around me nuts, but it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's a lot, man. I mean, good luck spending, like you talked about that customer you had earlier. I mean, good luck spending an hour on the phone with really right stuff or yeah. really multi almost all companies in the firearms industry spending an hour in helping you making the most educated decision in your purchase yeah. i mean the, the one that i know personally like josh coons from patriot valley arms i mean i shoot for pba and josh is one of my best friends but the first time i ever spoke to josh mind you he didn't know me from adam's dog uh i didn't know him i just i heard him on on a different podcast and i was like man this guy i like the way this guy's brain works uh and way he thinks on these things let me give him a call about doing a a 300 win mag build and i talked to him for like an hour and 20 minutes and we talked about bow hunting we talked about and we talked about everything and i was like yeah yeah i want to do business with this guy you know what i'm saying so that that yep. customer service and that back i don't want to say bond but that that interaction that you have with a person you can tell if they are genuinely don't just want to make a dollar off of you you can tell when they actually care about your purchase and make sure it's the right one you know you would and it is as counterintuitive to, to making money as it sounds you of someone like you would rather a person buy one tripod, it'd be the right one, then buy the wrong one and then have to buy another one to fit the needs. Like you would just rather them have the one they need instead well, of buying something they don't. Yeah. And I and I think that all that all boils down to, you know, being a company that cares about your customer. You know what I mean? Like if I can find a jack of all trades tripod for you and in it's more than you want to spend or, you know, because I've had customers call me and they try to buy the cheapest tripod. And I ask them, like, what do you want to do? And they're like, oh, this is and I'm like, dude, it's not right tripod for you. And I've had maybe like one or two customers where they're like, oh, I'm going to buy it anyway. And they absolutely love it. And and, and I was I was wrong. Um, but most of the customers, when we have these conversations and we talk about it and I'm like, listen, man, like you need to buy this, 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 and they go ahead and buy it. They, they appreciate it so much more because it accomplishes all their tasks in one versus at the end of the day, them having to buy multiple tripods 
for multiple applications. Like I don't, I don't really, I'm not doing this for the, for the money, for the financials. Like none of that is important to me. What's important to me is what I love and what drives me is the success. So what success is to me is like, I'll give you an example. I was driving home or I was driving to South Carolina from New York um, the other day. And I talked to a friend of mine who's a mentor and, um, and literally it really kind of hit home for me because he's like, Hey man, can you talk to this other company? So I talked to the other company, called him up, gave him a recap of what we talked about. And he's like, listen, he goes, I want to tell you something. I said, what's that? He goes, I want to tell you that I'm proud of you. And he goes, I know how much you've changed. I see it. You know what I mean? Like I see how far you've come. And for me, that was worth it because that meant so much to me. Like, well, it, it was, meant that you're doing something right. It, that, yeah. that you're doing, you're doing what you're doing is, is right. And it is, you're doing it the right way. Yeah. So yeah, I, I get that completely. No, um, but it, that was so cool, man. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Well, talk to me about manufacturing. So what, where, where what's, um, who, so who's main? So a lot of our tripods are made overseas. All of our current models are made overseas. The components come from multiple different countries, so it's not manufactured in one specific company. As a company, I pay a premium to get different parts from different places because they're the highest quality components. So I know for some people that overseas manufacturing is a a big deal to them. And well. I, I had said it to a friend of mine once and he's like, dude, he's like, I wonder what kind of washer and dryer these people have, you know, people have in their house. I wonder what kind of cell phone they're carrying. I wonder where, you know, what their fridge is, like where their coffee maker comes from. A lot of our stuff comes from overseas. I mean, I used to work for UPS and FedEx, which is kind of funny, but I got to see where your favorite college mug came from. It came from overseas. I got oh, to see. Undoubtedly. Oh yeah. Undoubtedly. Every, everything does. And you know, the difference of what we do versus what other companies do is our QC is there and our our, our products are solid. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. just because something comes from overseas doesn't mean it's not good. It's it's low quality. I mean, we have thousands of tripods out there. And I mean, I have tripods with some real world dudes doing some real world stuff in some places that they should never be. And at the end of the day, they trust their life to that tripod. And that means a lot to me as a company. And at the end of the day, um, you know, we're always making sure that what we're putting out is a high quality product and that it's going to withstand the test of time. And the people testing mm-hmm. things are, you know, they're people that use their tripod probably more than most people would in a year uh, or a couple of years. But we are working on a U.S. production model. We're working on a couple other U.S. production items to kind of allow those customers that want to buy U.S. manufactured. And I can't say 100 percent which way we're going to go, if we're going to go full U.S. production, if we're going to keep some of our overseas manufacturing, because I want to allow the customers that need an affordable option to have an affordable option. I don't want to shut those people out because we've always come out with a quality product and I want them to still be able to have that quality product. So, yeah. I mean, you know, the sad, the sad truth of the matter is that it's it just the uh, without getting it too deep, the the rules set for us as Americans, especially in 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 most definitely in the manufacturing world, 
are not the rules set for the rest of the world. And the rules set for us, it's we are and and I'm not talking about like Chinese slave labor, but I mean, we here you're a manufacturer is so handcuffed with red tape and I mean, every problem that you don't think of, they you, you have to think about that and that especially for a company that yeah yeah you've been around for what you know two and a half two and a half years three years yeah yep. i mean grand scheme it's still in its infancy yeah you know you're you're just getting started and you're like you said you're working on prototype this a prototype by a tripod a prototype ball head all these things that you're wanting to do you're still growing and you will grow you'll continue to do so but it's like it's almost damn near impossible for someone like that to be able without having the upfront either capital or investors to be able to do that. Well, okay. Well, at the end of the day, let's say you have those things in the, the day. Well, now you just went away from what your original goal was, was to offer an equal quality product for a lesser price and more value um because the, it just it costs so much more to make the absolute same thing here and i just wish that we would get to a place in society and in, in this country to where that's no longer the case to where like you're incentivized to to, to manufacture here in certain you know? certain components in certain part you know certain parts and pieces like I mean, I've seen a lot of the backside of the world. Most companies don't manufacture their own stuff. They outsource. They go to other companies. They have them create their products for them. They come to them, um, you know, and I've got to see a lot of back end of the industry um, getting more involved into the manufacturing aspect of it in the U.S. And the reality of it is, is that, you know, when we come out with a U.S. production tripod, we're probably going to be around the thousand dollar price point, you know, and that for most people. I mean, we're still below our competitors, but for most people, that's that's a lot of money. You know what I mean? And I yes. don't I'm not talking about the sales. The the sales is besides the point um, because you're not you're you're you might not sell as much volume or you may sell more. You may sell less or whatever. But at the end of the day, what we offer now, what we offer currently and what we will continually offer is high quality products. I'm not buying <clears throat> I'm not buying a product and putting 500% markup into it and buying the cheapest carbon fiber that I can buy. And I'm not buying the cheapest metal I can buy and the cheapest springs and the cheapest feet and this, this, and that. No, I'm paying an absolute premium for our man. You know, like our, we go to our manufacturer with our drawings and say, Hey, create this. You know what I mean? This is where we want our components from. We get them, we test them. Okay. No, we don't like this. We want to try something else. Let's try something else. This, this, and that. And the long story short of it is, is that when when I'm doing this, the dollar signs to me are is not what's important. What's important is at the end of the day that it stands the test of time. I've seen one of the companies that is within the price point of where we're at. I have a friend of mine that owns one, and prior to me meeting him, and uh, he actually works at GA Precision, and I watched him at a match, and like he put his tripod up, and like thing like the legs started to like collapsed, like because they use cheap brass washers, cheap screws, like cheap. Um, collars for their legs like cheap springs return springs for everything and i'm like dude and he's like dude i've only had this thing for like six months and i'm like what he's like yeah i've only had it for six months 
And we talked about what he paid for it, and it's relatively close to what you would pay for mine. But the difference is, is that company wants to make a lot more on you than what I'm concerned about making. Because yeah, and and even if you went with a U.S. like okay, your U.S. Uh, um, produced tripod. Yep. I mean, you have to, and and I hear you, and and I, I can appreciate what you're saying as far as you know, it's not about you know the end dollar sign at the end of the day is going to cost more but you 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 have to keep in mind of a profit because you can't you can't innovate more and yeah. do more with less you if, if you were just into the point where you're like you know what i want to do a service to the to the community i want to sell i want to produce and and sell a u.s made tripod and not make a penny off i don't lose a penny but i don't make a penny you're not going to make many of them. No, you you can't. You have to make money. But it's when, like you said, you've got the guys that are making these these 500 percent price margins or or whatever on them. That's the where. OK, well, yeah, it's a um, it's a, a scale. It's a, it's a balance, man. You have to be able to to be able to to produce. You got to make. If you make you want to you know make and sell that much, well then your quality too. It's some something's got to give somewhere. And it's and it's no doubt that you know I could have packed a huge margin into it. I could have, I could have five employees working for me. I could put out a cheaper pro, you know I could have went with cheaper products or cheaper parts or whatever. But that's not my concern. Like I'm not I'm not in this game to have a name that's going to be tarnished by selling a cheap product or selling a low quality product. That's that's not what I'm in. I mean, well, that's it, not the name you want. You'll oh, get a name for that. That's just no, not the name you want. <laughs> and I and I know companies that are in the same market as me that have that same name or have that name. Um, and you know. <laughs> To them, they don't really care. They just care about pushing through volume. And I'm not trying to push through volume. I'm trying to create a product that's going to withstand the test of time. I mean, I got friends of mine that for them to do their job, they have to be able to mount a rifle to it. They got to be able to trust that it's going to be, you know, it's going to be stable enough. The thing's not going to break while they're freaking deployed. Like, that's a concern of me because now I'm putting it in, in, that depends on people's lives coming home. You know what I mean? Or... I mean, if a sniper's out there doing a job and he can't do his job because the tripod doesn't work and he takes a shot and, and misses without a tripod and he could have made it with his tripod. Well, now it, it all it all falls back in line. I mean, like, I mean, anybody that's been in the military understands that, you know, one terrorist can change the life of like 100 people, you know, and that's or, or 3000. Exactly. Yep. I mean, you know. Uh, all right. So, OK, let's say. um Johnny Go Lucky buys a a two vets uh, tripod, and I, if man can make it, man can break it. So let's say it does. I, I'm sure you've had tripods break. I know every company that has ever made anything has had something of theirs break. Well, you know, um, how does that how does that go? Yeah, we had spoke cr- briefly about Chris Way, but Chris Way is one of my product testers, um, and he's. He, I mean, he pays for everything, dude's hard on his gear. Well, long story short, basically, I tell people to call me up. Basically, they tell me what's wrong. I say, send me an email. They send me an email, and we get parts out to them. As long as it's not straight neglect or, or run it over with a truck. or Yeah, out. I was about to say run it over with a car yeah. or a truck. I mean, 
we cover pretty much just about everything. I mean, your inserts break, your collars break, you know, you're going to have things that break. And especially like I had a customer today, literally called me and just got his tripod and unscrewed the collar all the way and like pulled the leg out and like broke a piece, pulling it out because he didn't pull, he didn't pull straight. He pulled it angled. So I told him, I was like, all right, send me order number. And he's got new pieces and parts going out tomorrow. So, you know, I don't encourage people to obviously purposely break stuff, but if stuff does break, we take care of it and I take care of it in a timely manner. I've been to a point being a small company that I've literally sent out my personal tripod um, to somebody that their tripod breaks because they got a match coming up. It, it's legitimately stuff that I've done. Um, because and, and you can't, as a consumer, you can't ask for any more than that. You can't. And And I don't do it. I don't do it like, hey, man, I'll send you my tripod, but go on social media and like blast our company up. No, I don't I don't <laughs> I don't care about that. Um, at the end of the day, I've been able to be a part of just the most ridiculous things. I mean, kids first kills on their big bucks. I've been a part of gender reveals with people shooting off of tripods. I've been off of family hunts, um, you know. Like I'll be a part of obviously as stupid as it sounds Christmas gifts. Like I had a husband call me the other day and he's like, yeah, so I charge him my credit card. He's like, I'm trying to figure out what it is. And I was like, do you, he's like, my wife's on the card too. And I was like, Oh, he's like, what did she order? I was like, I can't really tell you, man. I'm like, but you'll be happy. So it's, yeah. If I'm, if I ever become a credit card identity, identity thief, I'm going to use that. I'm like, hey, oh look, you you got an awesome wife, man. You just wait, wait three more months, man. You're gonna love it. <laughs> it happened, man, and that's that's part of as a business. Like we have super stingent um, credit card processing filters because I've had, I literally had somebody go on my website, buy something. So my buddy went to eBay, bought something. That dude obviously didn't know I knew the other guy. Went to my website, bought the same product or bought a different product than what he ordered. I shipped it to my buddy, and then he filed a complaint with his credit card company, which the it all got turned back around. But long story short of it, he didn't know I knew the dude, so I knew the dude. So I called him up and I'm like, "Hey man, did you order something?" He's like, "Yeah, I ordered it off eBay," and I got screwed out of a couple hundred bucks. And it's happened a couple times, and it's it's hard as a business to you know eat. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars or even thousands or hundreds of dollars on fraudulent credit card charges. So yeah, it, it sucks, man. It's not, it's not fun. Where, well, first of all, before I ask that question, the name two vets. Oh, all right. So this is an original. Is there, is there two of you or is it just you? When I f- first started in business, there was two of us. Um, we were like an FFL sold stock chassis, yada, yada, yada. And then I wanted to push into the tripod market and he didn't really want to. So at that point, we were already established as a company and my, I had a brand name already. So I was basically told him, I was like, all right, dude, you know, like, let's separate ways, like whatever. So we kept it friendly, separated ways. Part of why I kept the name of the business is because we do we do a lot of first responder military like I don't care if you work for the Department of Energy. I don't care if you're a firefighter. I don't care if you're active army, inactive army. If you were whatever war you fought in, I mean, whatever, depart- <laughs> I mean, security, whatever. We offer discounts for those guys. Um, and a lot of why I like having the name of the company is because they're, 
as a veteran, you don't walk into a store and you don't go, hey, man, do I do you guys got a veteran? You guys got a military discount because it's super uncomfortable. Um, But with the name, there's becomes the comfort of, you know, offering a discount to veterans and and law enforcement and first responders and whatever. Um, But essentially, they're comfortable to ask that question and we do offer a discount to them. So it's a pretty good discount for them. Um, and all we need is just some type of proof of service. And I mean, that's part of why we kept the name. We just changed it from two vets, sporting goods, to two vets, tripods, Inc. Um, so I like it. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't yeah. know. Cause I didn't know. I didn't know if you had a counterpart or not. So I was, I, cause I haven't heard you mention. So that's why I was like, well, two vets, I was thinking, you know, there's gotta be maybe a silent partner or something like that. Like an investor. I, I don't know. So that's what made me think about it. No, I have. It, it, it happens a lot. And, uh, you know, I've answered that. I've answered that question a couple of times to people. And, uh, you know, that's the main reason is a lot of a lot of veterans and a lot of first responders ask for the military discount, which we're very happy to give them. And I mean, it's we've probably discounted quite a bit of product um, for for military law enforcement and, and veterans and first responders. So it's cool. Awesome. Where's two vets? Five years from now. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, well, where do you, where you, where do you, are you aspiring it to be? Uh, location wise, I like to move. No, well, you can, you can say that too, though. Yeah, because you gotta get the fuck out of New York, dude. You gotta get the fuck out of New York. Um, but location wise, you know, I'd like to move. Obviously, um, company wise, I'd like to employ, you know obviously some people to help me out growing the business um, and then just continually progressing. I mean, looking for what shooters need, addressing issues um, and, and kind of have a tripod uh, that fits the needs. I mean, right now we have, I think, oh, I want to say seven existing models because we just discontinued one of them, um, but seven current models that fit the needs uh, for pretty much everybody from a backpack country hunter to predator hunter to PRS. But I'd like to be able to refine that uh, down the road and kind of offer a few more options for those types of people. So really expand the line, um, expand having people that, you know, essentially work for the company and, uh, just keep trying to grow and travel, man. I mean, I'm, I always tell everybody, I mean, (laughs) somebody's driving the bus. I don't know who's driving it, but I'm just riding along. And a lot of what I do is, a it's a, a spur of the moment shot out of the dark. And I think, like Texas, going to Texas this week was like super random for me. Um, Arkansas was planned. And then going out to Arizona was like literally random. I'm leaving in less than a week and I got a phone call today to get to go out there. So um, it's kind of a shot yeah, in the dark. To- you're, yeah. So you went for me and you had this conversation before we started recording New York, South Carolina, yeah. South Carolina today, South Carolina to uh, uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, can, back to South Carolina. Then you're headed to Arkansas correct. first. Yep. Going to Arkansas to the Army uh, Sniper School. Yeah. All right. You're going from there to then Texas. Back nope. home. No, nope. we're going. So I'm going. I went from New York to South Carolina. South Carolina, we're going out to Texas. Texas, we're going to Arkansas. Arkansas, I'm coming back to South Carolina and grab my car, drive back to New York. I'll be home for a day, and then I'm hopping a plane out to Arizona, and then I'm out there for three days and coming home, and then we have shot we have shot show, obviously, this year. So 
Um, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. And it gets better because prior to this trip, I was down here two other times because I was down here for the Guardian match. And then two weeks prior to that, I was down here for shooting the suck. And I think two weeks prior to that, I was out in Virginia with you. God knows, dude. I, I told you earlier, I do not envy you at all. I, I mean, look, I get mad when I got to go somewhere two weekends in a row. I hate, dude, I hate driving, man. But I Me think both. I think it's uh, it's a sacrifice, like as stupid as it sounds, it's a sacrifice you need to make because like I totally love to be home with my kids. Like I, I would totally love to just be go wake up, go in my office, like work, you know what I mean? Because it's stressful for me when I'm out of the office because I have to <laughs> I have to rely on people to do the things that I normally do. Um, and I think that's part of the progression as a business is uh, giving up, freeing up some of those reins, you know? So for me, the reins that I freed up coming down here is, is packing and shipping, but eventually that's going to turn into where, you know, I'm gone for a month, month and a half, traveling for work and i gotta trust somebody can you know answer social media questions like pack and ship stuff like inventory stuff that's coming in so it's trust me i i run on high stress i'd be afraid to check my blood pressure every day to be honest with you jesus christ dude yeah i i mean i've got a busy i, I was actually i had lunch with uh my buddy cl today and i was telling him how busy of year that i've got coming up because i'm going to I'm going to Vegas for ADCC, um, the Abu Dhabi Combat Club trials, um, jiu-jitsu. Um, it's the like, biggest jiu-jitsu tournament in the world. It's every two years. It's kind of like a jiu-jitsu Olympics or whatever. Going to that, I'm going, uh, obviously, a few matches. I'm traveling to maybe Missouri uh, for a match. I'm going to uh, uh, fish. The, well, it's just not a big travel, but it's a time off of work. But I'm fishing the Big Rock Tournament um going to gallenberg tennessee for family vacation then i'm going to uh kentucky to deer hunt during uh the rifle season in, in kentucky uh and i'm like man that's a lot of traveling that's like five things over the course of a year you've done that in a week already it's been it's been crazy man and then i have a couple uh i have a couple shows next year planned and stuff like that uh it it's it's exciting i get excited and probably more stressed but i love meeting new people like i went down to guardian i met a lot of new shooters there which that's an awesome cause um which got me tied in with you know meeting gary and meeting everybody that runs guardian and in that that whole those people are great man they're they're absolutely they're infectious aren't they they're, they're yeah. infectious well that's why i'm driving down to texas man like i talked to a buddy of mine about coming out to guardian in texas and he's like four hours away. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, I don't think you understand. I'm driving 30 hours, like 30 hours to go to Texas. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it. I mean, it's exciting. And I plan to shoot next year as well on top of running business. Um, so it, <laughs> it's just madness, man. My life is straight up madness, but I love what I do and I can't, I can't complain. I mean, I put in, so Thanksgiving, when we started our Black Friday, actually, I think the day before Thanksgiving, when we started Black Friday, I was up at 4.30 in the morning packing and shipping orders. Um, I was in there for in the office for quite a few hours. The day after, 5.30 that morning, packing and shipping orders. Saturday and Sunday, packing and shipping orders before I headed out of the office. I mean, 
when I say Black Friday was insane, it was absolutely 100% insane. Like, that's good, man. That's good that it is. I mean, it, it'd be better. I mean, is that that's obviously a better option than the alternative, which is Black Friday. And you're looking at a computer and no fucking orders will come in. I mean, well, you know, that would suck. I mean, I think, dude, I think that, I mean, as a business, like I get, I watch a lot of Facebook groups and stuff like that. And I watch a lot of dudes that'll ask questions about tripods and I'll get a lot of people that comment or tag me in it or whatever. Um, and I do business a lot differently than everybody else. And I mean, I, and I always will. And I probably care more than anybody, any other, like somebody that's an employee to a company. I mean, I own my company. It's my livelihood. It's my living. I care about what I do, what we do, like where the company's going, like all these things. So I tell anybody, I mean, you reach my personal social media, you have my phone number. I mean, I'm pretty sure I answered calls on Thanksgiving um, that people called my company number. I've answered calls on Christmas. I've answered calls on Christmas Eve. I mean, I get like the third degree when I answer those calls, but uh, my phone's always on, man. I mean, it's it's just, that's the life that I live. Yeah, and I wish I wish we had more people in the industry that kind of modeled their companies that way. I mean, you'd have a lot, you mean, just, you're never going to please everybody, but you'd have a lot less noisy squeaky wheels that need grease um than we do in in this industry i mean i don't i'm not scared to talk about it if you don't if anybody listening to this you know if you don't know anybody like this then it's probably you but there's uh you know there's i love this industry i love this world i mean because i've met some of you know really great people i met you know jeff jeff trip he's him and cl are my best i've known cl my whole life but they're my best friends. I met Jeff through shooting. Kind of find out our parents were really good friends and knew each other before we were born. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, but I met him. I never would have met him anywhere else, but I met him in shooting. But with that said, there's some damn bitch ass motherfuckers that you, <laughs> that you see in this industry that just, you, you can't please them. They're, no. un, they're unpleasable. And if if we had more if we had more companies that kind of modeled their their company the way you're doing it and have the kind of passion for the customer that that you do, then we'd have a lot less squeaky wheels. And that's, that makes sense. There, I mean, in the companies that I am fortunate enough to work alongside and work with, um, you know, like XLR Industries is a great one. Warhorse Development, Daniel Defense, Area 419. I mean those companies are great, man. I mean, and they're fast to respond. They care about the customer. They're willing to please. Like you call up XLR and you want to talk to them about a chassis. You want to talk about what you're going to do or, or, or your job or your application. Or, I mean, you got like, there, there's wow. just multiple companies. And at the end of the day, those are the companies that I like to work with. I mean, my personal rifle I don't base my personal rifle off of anybody that who does stuff for me because I don't really care about that. I base my personal rifle off of what I like the best. Like I run an XLR on my rifle because A, I love the customer service and B, it's a killer product. I mean, it's straight up. I think it's the best chassis on for me personally, best chassis in the market. Um, you got Chass uh, from Warhorse Development, super good dude. I mean, I've talked to Chas. I'm like, hey, man, I need a bag. And he's like, all right, what do you need? You know, and the the customer service of those smaller companies, like 
of course, as you grow, you're you're going to pull a little away. Um, but at the end of the day, like you call Area 419, they're a pretty significantly large company now. You call them, you could talk to somebody about your shooting needs, your applications, what you want to do, like all these other things. And you still get that feel that somebody cares, man. And and that's that's important um, because I've been in the position just like everybody else. I was a new shooter. I haven't been shooting my whole life. I mean, there's still things I'm learning. There's still questions I have where I call these companies and they're fast to respond. They care because like a lot of companies hire people to run social for them, their social medias, um, which you know, sometimes it's really, really good. And sometimes it's really, really bad. That person only cares about running that social media. But then you get guys like a good friend of mine who runs social where he cares about answering your questions. You know what I mean? Like he cares about giving you the correct answer and meeting the needs of what you're looking for. If he, if he doesn't, if he doesn't know the answer, he'll, he'll find the answer, the correct answer for you. You know, if he, if he ain't the man, he'll call the man type situation. Yeah, you know, I will say this. I, I mean, I remember I I followed you on Instagram when I was on Instagram. Your social media game is on freaking fire, bro. Because you, you've always got some awesome pictures and stuff. Always came up in my news feed when I was on and everything. And it was it's it's really cool. And you know, I've I've I, I'm a man of principle, and uh, I know this isn't a business. I I make zero dollars on doing this podcast I, yeah. I don't get i don't get kickbacks i don't i don't get you know if someone gives me free shit it's because they like me and we're friends not because of anything on this podcast um but if you want to call it a business is greatly prohib or uh inhibited uh by not being on social media yeah. i just i just to me since i don't make money off of it if it grows, my podcast grows, it grows. If it doesn't, oh, well, I'm not feeding my son off of this podcast. So, okay. you know, it's just I, I, I deleted my Instagram with a pretty decent amount of followers. You know, not as many as you had, but um, I'm also not selling anything either. So um, it's just I, I know that in t- 2021 social media is so important with for a business i don't give a shit if you're selling air conditions tripods or cars that are yeah. houses social media is where now you're getting a large portion if not all of your new customers um it's where a, you're picking them up from it's a powerful tool and i mean in as a as somebody that runs a business and does everything, man, I find myself on Instagram way too much, in Facebook way too much. But it's the it's the necessary. I don't want to say necessary evil, but it's something that I have to do. You know what I mean? Well, so, no, I think you kind of hit it right. It is a necessary evil. It's something that if, if I believe if you could do any other form of marketing to get the same exact level of uh, results you would do it. Yeah. So, I mean, I ran, so a lot of people don't know this, um, but I basically, for the first two years of business, I mean, I had my personal cell phone number. That was company number. That's anybody called that. That w- that went straight to my cell phone, my personal phone. 
And just recently in the last year, we changed over to an automated system, which has been, a, you know, it's been nice. Um, and I can set hours and stuff like that and like have a greeting sure. and voicemail and <laughs> it don't work, man. I pick up the phone whenever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, it's nice because it adds a, adds a professional touch to um, owning a business and allowing a customer, you know, like I get to see if it's a mill LEO sale or if it's a, you know, regular customer sale, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, my business is fully inflicted into my life. I mean, I listen to a lot of motivational speakers and that's kind of my, that's kind of my job. That's what I do is, um, you know, when I take drive down here, I'll, I'll listen to some of the speakers and stuff. And, I realized that some of the some of the most successful people, they've made the craziest sacrifices. Like I remember Mark Cuban talking about he was um, he was running a business and his girlfriend was complaining. And this isn't for everybody, but his girlfriend was complaining and uh, she goes, oh, well, it's either it's either the business or me. And he goes, "Um, I'm sorry, what's your name again? And she left and you lose a lot. And owning a business, I, I believe you lose a lot of your life, um, but it depends on how you value your life as well. I mean, if you value, um, you know, money or success or seeing your products, places or whatever. I mean, for me, I'm not doing this to try to be rich. I mean, I don't I don't care about owning a mansion. I don't care about owning five houses. None of that's of interest to me. Um, I just want to create, you know, a, a, a good life for myself, my kids. Um, and my family and essentially just keep doing what I'm doing and providing the best products I can to customers. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's fun, man. I enjoy what I do. It's not for, it's definitely not for everybody. I'll tell you what, you probably kill me driving in a car with me. Yeah. Look, dude, I, I, I get it. I get it completely. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a car, I'm in my truck like six hours a day. Yeah. You know, and that's in town. That's not me driving long distances. No, that's that's me doing freaking circles around my town and city because that's I'm going to all these different locations and lows. I go to lows six, seven times a day. And then I've got, you know, three crews of guys calling me, my my dad, my mom, my wife, uh, my buddies shooting people, all this stuff call yeah, so I get it. My phone never stops ringing. I ain't looked at it. It's over here on silent. I ain't looked at it. I bet you there's three missed calls on there. Um, so I know I get it completely and it's just, you know, you've, you've invested yourself into this business and and it shows, I mean, you're, I just heard it vibrating right then. Um, you, uh, you invested yourself in this business and that's not just financially. That's, that's your time. That's your sweat equity. That's your, your self-sacrifices that, you know, yet you could be, you know, putting your kids to bed right now, but instead you're in South Carolina about to head to freaking Texas. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, well, speaking of which, I know you got to get up early and, uh, honestly, I don't know if I'm sounding like I'm high right now, but, uh, I took my, my medication earlier and I'm freaking tired. I didn't sleep with a shit last night, dude. The last podcast I did with Mike Burns, I could, t- I, I wanted to go back and listen. I listened to like the last half of the podcast. I'm like, Oh my God. I, I don't know if anyone else can tell, but I'm like, damn near slurring because i'm so tired and shit because my medication just makes me tired i take it every night before i go to bed otherwise i don't sleep um but uh anyway um is there anything anything else that you want to get out any type of uh plugs or anything that you want where where can anybody where can uh, people find you find your tripods 
So we got um, the websites, uh, Goods, all spelled out. And then if you guys want to give us a call, it's uh, 518-852-7820. Uh, extension one for sales. I mean, you can send an email to us. That's info at twovetsportinggoods.com. Um, any which way you hit us up, Instagram, Facebook, email, phone call, uh, that's going to be me. And I'll be happy to answer any of the questions. I mean, um, we'll help you find the best tripod for your needs, man. That's awesome, dude. Well, look, don't uh, don't hang up. I'm going to stop recording this, but um, we'll, we'll chat offline for a second before I let you go. But I do appreciate you coming on, dude. I really, I was really looking forward to doing this because I was like selfishly getting <laughs> to come on because like I, I wanted to learn more here from the horse's mouth about my tripod uh, purchase because I'm, I'm, I'm definitely buying one. And uh, you guys listening, if you're looking for a good tripod but you can't, you know, sell your firstborn child to to fund it. Uh, but you won't equal the quality, then you, you know you listen to your guy right here. This is this is your company. So um, until next time, guys, uh, I've got a list of folks that I've got coming on in in order, and some of them don't even know it yet, but they're coming on, um, and uh, you guys are gonna love it. So just uh, stick around and, and wait uh, wait for those to drop. Hit the download. Appreciate you guys listening.